Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of Ransom Notes and the host of this uh, this show, this weekly podcast and radio show, and the subject of a documentary uh, is our host each and every week. And I, uh, the co-host, uh, have been in the Ukraine, and uh, I spent the la- a good part of four or five uh, days uh, there, and I started out last Thursday. Uh, so people are listening. We're recording this on Monday. So not this Thursday, the Thursday uh, so this will be two weeks. This Thursday coming up will be two weeks that I'm abroad, and uh, and and what a time, Catherine. How are you? Well, I'm just fine, thank you. We're having uh, improved weather, and that's always nice. But my guess is that we're much warmer than where you are, uh, because whenever we see reporters on the television, uh, they're all bundled up as if they were at the North Pole. Uh, so why don't we just sort of today talk a bit about your visit because I think it's incredible and um, I, I just love to to know more that's happening and I have a feeling our audience would too. So what is the weather like there, Frank? Well, right now I'm in Hamburg, Germany, so I'm a little removed from it. Uh, it's it's not too bad here, but in the Ukraine, and I spent a good part of the uh, my my trip in the Ukraine and the bordering countries and it was miserably cold there very very cold and uh you know windy and uh frosty and uh all you know all of it was uh you know is is not helping a very difficult situation which is uh, which is a a refugee situation and millions upon millions of people are be are being displaced and um i uh yeah the the weather is uh uh, has been a factor, and I imagine it'll get a little warmer. But in the, uh, uh, you know, in the meanwhile, uh, we have millions of displaced people. What What would you say are the main techniques that a family who's being displaced is doing to try and keep themselves and their children uh, warm, Frank? Well, the the uh, the first thing I would I would say to that is that the the folks that are coming over now. And by no means do I want to minimize um, what they're going through. But the the folks that are coming over now are are not what you would see uh, or, or think of as being uh, refugees. You know, sometimes when you see from Asia, you, you see um, uh, very poor refugees or from Africa or um, Syria. Um, these, these folks are look a lot like us. And, and when I say that, I just want to say that to give a, a description of what they're like uh, for the most part middle class and uh and and uh you know some upper class but uh but these folks are well dressed they look like uh, people that you would see in the mall over there in springfield and uh and i would see in on long island and um and they they don't um it, you know they at first glance they don't look like people that are in need but when you hear their stories um they're leaving the the men behind the men are are asked to stay behind and to fight and defend and they uh the the women and uh and the elderly folks are being transported to the the border countries which is romania um uh, poland uh moldova uh some people call it moldovia here uh, and then the czech republic hungary 
and uh, you know some people are going as far down as uh, as Bulgaria, but those are the the countries. And and Poland has been terrific, and um, Romania. Those are two countries that I've spent a lot of time in. Uh, so, so you're saying that are they, for example, coming over primarily in cars? Are they coming by bus? Do they have suitcases, as we see in the picture? But I, I'm just thinking, you know, you come to a, an unknown country, it, it, except those that have relatives or friends. Uh, uh, and then I think you said you were in the Ukraine for a while. Did you see people sleeping in the streets or down in the uh, in the subway system or wherever where they really would have been cold? Yeah, the uh, the the one thing I, I should uh, I, yeah I should express it, the people for the most part are getting here by either car or uh, or bus, and the uh, they're you know you're not seeing a lot of people walk over the border. They're getting to the border, and from there they're uh, they're walking over, and uh, the relief, the humanitarian relief um, uh, situation has been terrific. And from there, they're loading up buses of of people that are displaced from the Ukraine, and they're bringing them to a humanitarian center. Um, I'll, I'll send you some photos. I, I have all types of photos and videos from from what's going on. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when I got to Warsaw, this is after I, I left uh, the border and I left Ukraine. Um, I went to uh, to Warsaw, and the the basic refugee city in Warsaw was uh, was Warsaw Central train station and there is a there's a second floor where people are kind of um, interacting with with others and and people are coming there um, a lot of Christians are, are there from all over the world coming with and and, and I should say non-christians uh, people are coming uh, bringing food and bringing um, you know uh, blankets and bringing uh, so forth when you go to the third floor, on the uh, uh, in the train station, um, and it's called Warsaw Central. Um, it's set up like a city up there. There are there are just hundreds of beds, and there are people that are staying there, and some of them are staying, uh, you know, multiple nights. Some of that them that have somewhere to go, are are staying there until they make arrangements to to go somewhere else to Poland, and um, and people are arranging for um, for uh, uh, tickets. To, to get them out of there, but that that is it's become a refugee city. I, I also want to mention that uh, in uh, there's a a city called uh, Yash, and if you uh, you ask the greatest uh, spelling bee champ in the world to spell Yash or pronounce Yash after looking at it, it's the second biggest city in in Romania. Um, uh, and when I first got here, I, I went right to a um, a refugee uh, humanitarian center that uh, that basically was up for three days and they already had 248 beds filled not full beds they're mattresses and these are these are people like you and me Catherine that uh that have gotten over the border and they are put there and a lot of children um and they had entertainers come in from the outside and doing little shows for children it was uh yeah it was it was heartbreaking uh and 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 heartwarming the the people of Yash have been fantastic on on this whole situation how, how do you spell Yash? Yash, I believe, is I-A-S-I. 
it looked and it and the eye looks like an L almost like lossy, uh, but it, you, that's Yash, Yash. Huh. Yeah, it, like but, I said, the spelling bee champ would never get that one. <laughs> well, and she who does not spell well at all certainly didn't get it because I would have started it with a Y, and it would have had an S H in there somewhere. But uh, that doesn't make it worse. Uh, let's go back to the time that you were in Ukraine. Did did you ever hear or experience or see any bombing and or the results of bombing, or were you always in a very safe spot? I, I felt uh, that I was in a, uh, in a very safe spot. I, uh, I purposely hugged the borders, and, uh, and the reason I, I hugged the borders is because the story here is the humanitarian uh, effort and getting the, uh, getting the people out. I also felt that it would be the safest um, unless, um, you know, the, the, uh, the Russians are, are, are just, uh, you know, losing their minds completely. They're not going to be bombing, fleeing refugees, uh, elderly people and, uh, and children and women. Uh, so I assume that was the way to go in. Uh, I ended up uh, going in to, um, uh, you know, through the border and, and driving around. I, and I mean, uh, it, you know, it, these are rural areas, uh, suburban areas that I was in. And there are certain blocks that look like the twilight zone. It, it, everyone just abandoned their blocks. And maybe you would see lights uh, on uh, two of the houses on the blocks and on the other 20, uh, just darkness and a car there and uh, people left, uh, you know, their, you know, their garbage cans out or whatever. It was just a, um, you know, look like the, the twilight zone. And, and I'll tell you one, one quick story. I, I hadn't seen any bombing. Um, I, what I, uh, what I did as a, as an exercise, I would drive and I'd roll the window down and it's very cold. Keep in mind. Right. So, um, I would roll the window down to see if I heard anything uh, like bombing, and I would uh, keep my eyes peeled, and I'd look for illuminations. And uh, I I got one point, and I, I just was completely lost, and I had no GPS. I had no, uh, no reception. My wife got very concerned because when she called when I was in the Ukraine— um, we, she would just hear Russian conversations, you know, of, uh, the Russian language. Um, and, and that's all she would hear or she'd hear a recorder saying that the phone is busy, but she would hear it in Russian. And, um, and, uh, but I'll give you one example. I, I, I had no place to go one night and, um, I, I was way in the woods. Um, and I, I'd love to share the name of the, um, the the crossover town that I went in, and again there was no crossover. Just simply, uh, you know, you just went in. One side of the street was um, was Poland, and one side was the Ukraine. And I was driving for a long period of time, and I had to pull over because I thought I was just going to crash the car. I was exhausted, so I just pulled over on the side of the road. I put my media pass on the dashboard, and I kept one around me in case uh, you know someone had uh, had come. And in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, as I'm sleeping, uh, somebody passing by slapped the hood of my car, lightly, not aggressively. They slapped the hood of my car uh, like with an open hand. And I woke up, and, and to my, uh, the shock of my life, it's soldiers. And there's about eight soldiers walking in front of me, uh, no helmets but guns. And then I looked in my rearview mirror, and there were another maybe 20 coming behind me. And I thought... Uh, my God, you know, these are Russian soldiers. And, you know, I had a uh, press pass around. And I'm trying to, 
prepare what I'm going to be saying. And uh, as it turns out, thank God, it was uh, the Ukrainian troops uh, who I've kind of run into before, not the same group. Um, but they had said to me to, um, uh, you know, not to go in the direction that they're going in. Uh, I, the first guy did not speak English, but they, they brought somebody up um, who was an English speaker, and he, he did very well. And he pointed to two directions that they wanted me to go. They wanted to, me to go um, you know, either this direction or, or another direction, but not where they were going. Now, I, the fact that they had no helmets on uh, made me believe that it was safe, you know, that they were, you know, they had to have intelligence um, uh, knowing what was around them. And they, they probably knew there wasn't a firefight going. But I, I can't remember the timeline, whether it was earlier uh, in the day or the day before or the next day, because everything kind of runs together. But I had heard a siren. And I drove towards the siren. This is in the Ukraine. I, I think it was the day before, actually. And I um, and and I uh, I saw cars coming. And sometimes here, uh, like if if a deer is in the middle of the road, people will flash their lights at you, you know, to uh, to kind of warn you not to not to go in blindly, and you might hit the deer. Or um, and the, in Vermont, they'll do it if there's a moose in the road, and they'll flash vigorously, flash their lights at you. So people were doing that to me, and then finally there was a, a a soldier, and he told me to turn around, you know, like right away, turn firmly, not nicely, but firmly, uh, told me to turn around. So I did, and I followed the other cars to to another direction, uh, out of the way of the of the siren, and and I had pulled over. And, and I waved somebody down because I had no idea where I was at this point. I had no idea how deep I was into the, um, into the Ukrainian or, or out of the Polish border. And, and then I, uh, one man pulled over. I said, do you speak English? And he says, a little. I, and I said, um, what, what's, uh, what's the siren up there? And he said, uh, I, I heard just rumor that it's just rumors. And I, I said, uh, I, I said what, and I went to question him again. And he said, I must go. And he just took off. And the rumors were that something was happening, you know. So anyway, I followed him out, figuring he's going towards civilization. And, and I tried to follow the, his taillights. And, and I uh, ultimately got to this Polish town. And I, I stayed in a place above a bar. And it was, um, uh, it was there. But I later found out that, um, that there was a bombing, um, a, a bombing uh, very, very close. I mean, right where I was when I saw those Russian soldiers, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, not Russian soldiers, the uh, um, Ukrainian soldiers, and um, and uh, I was told that they were were, were getting their mission was to get uh, supplies from the Polish border over to uh, the Ukraine side. But um, I I wonder now if uh, if if those men. Um, had gotten uh, they, they were some of the uh, military casualties that got uh, hit uh, when the uh, the bomb I, I think it was 12 hours after I was in that exact I, you know I got to look at a map but I, I imagine it's it's just about exactly where I was um, but that's where the bombing occurred uh, I believe um, I'm trying to think of my timeline here uh, Friday this last Friday we're on uh, Monday uh, anyway I didn't mean to ramble but I, I, I a lot of information I figured I'd give you. Um, the, the, uh, I guess, I guess I, I want to, I guess I'm curious about what the conditions are for news people, both, uh, Ukrainian, Russian, and 
non-Ukrainian Russian news people are. Have you had any difficulty getting your message out? Have you heard from any local news people that they have felt they have been thwarted? And what rumors do you hear from from Russia and the uh, independent news agencies? Well, I, I didn't run into any of that. I, I'm the only uh, you know journalist or reporter that uh, that I basically ran into uh, at the at the tent cities. They call them the tent cities. These are on some of the border crossings, and I, I went to all of them that I could find. Um, there were uh, journalists there, but they were local. They were Polish. Um, they had uh, you know maybe um, uh, small uh, television stations. Uh, the press was in a uh, in a different. Uh, area and there was no American press there. I imagine the majors, you know, the uh, Fox and the um, CNN and, um, and and CNBC and MSNBC. I imagine that they're in and around, uh, they're in and around the the capital city, and they're embedded. What you call embedded, uh, you know, you see them with the helmets, but they have they have tremendous resources there, and and they uh, they have the intelligence of of the army there. Uh, and by the way, I'm not minimizing uh, that, but uh, but where I am, nobody is. I'm not running into any reporters. Um, I've been treated great by the locals in uh, in Romania, um, Moldova, and uh, and Poland uh, and Ukraine. They they've treated me um, extremely well. I'm the only one going in. Um, everyone is, is, else is leaving, and I was the only one going in. I I, I should mention, uh, Catherine, that the. Uh, the, the first walkover to the uh, Ukraine um, uh, was uh, uh, was from a Romanian uh, town, and and I walked against uh, against sounds terrible, but I I was walking in the opposite direction of a group of of Ukrainians coming out, and uh, it was my first view of this, and uh, and I I was walking with a camera, and it was me alone, and it was an a, a, a never-ending sea of sorrow. I was just walking, walking through, and nobody was walking behind me. I kept looking to see if anybody else was coming, and these people were, for the most part, silent. Um, you heard murmurs, uh, and and then every once in a while, loud weeping from uh, from different people. And it's I couldn't even give you an amount of people—hundreds, maybe a thousand people—that I walked past, and. I um, when I finally got past and onto the Ukrainian side for the first time, I went behind this truck that was there and I just broke down and I, I just um, I I I had to compose myself for about fifteen twenty minutes before I even got up to start asking questions. It was uh, it was it, it was uh, again I knew I wasn't going to Disneyland. I knew it was going to be a sad experience, but uh, it, it's amazing. I actually I actually. Uh, I, I actually uh, underestimated uh, the the sorrow that I was going to be seeing. It was the most heartbreaking thing that I I've ever experienced in my life was that first walkover. Well, I think I think some of us even just uh, watching it here, thousands of miles away, Frank, have watched these groups uh, clutching newborn babies, uh, carrying a small backpack, or maybe pushing one. A uh, small suitcase along on rollers, uh, walking in crowds, either trying to get on a train or walking down the road. What if we assume that 
we are getting accurate pictures, which I think we are. Um, no, I've never broken down, but I certainly have even had quiet tears in my own heart. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine how you must have felt as the Lone Ranger walking direction one way and these thousands or hundreds of people are trudging in the reverse way. I, I, I can't even imagine what you did, said, thought, um, wondering to yourself, should I even be here, Frank? I mean, it, it, because you're leaving a wife behind, you, you have to have a minimum. You're doing it by choice, and then you think these people are leaving family, home, everything behind? Um, and, and have you had a chance to talk to many people or even one or three of local Ukrainians who are being displaced, who are really struggling either because they stayed behind because they're a, a male and they're trying to fight, or they're a mother or a grandmother who are taking the kids out to save them. Have you had any of those personal conversations? And I know you don't speak Ukrainian or Russian, so I, I know it would be difficult, but I'm just curious if you've had that opportunity. Oh, hundreds and hundreds. I have. Uh, I, I've, I've probably got over a hundred on, on film. They're they're heartbreaking. Uh, the big challenge is is finding somebody that speaks English. Um, others, uh, you know, will wave off, but uh, you know, some people have hugged me. You know, just got, a lot of people have just walked up and hugged me. Um, because they know that uh, that and even our conversation here that we're bringing the the message of of what this is like uh, there um, oh yeah I have uh, you know I don't know how many uh, how many uh, on tape interviews very few long ones and substantive ones but you know several maybe 10 good ones and and I planned on making a film here and and just doing whatever I could to you know get the message out Um you know, where, uh, you know, my, my wife and I thought about it, uh, you know, at the time. And I said, what do you think about me going over? And, and she said, do it, you know, do it early uh, before it gets uh, way out of hand. And um, and we figured, you know, that this will be our little uh, donation, our little uh, uh, contribution to what's going on. And I could report back. And I've been on the radio, you know, sometimes six times a day and, um, you know, different uh, different shows. Uh, you know, most of the time, three these steady uh, radio shows that that I've been reporting back for, and you know, WABC, which is a big one in um, in New York, and I've just been reporting back everything that I could, um, uh, you know, give. But yes, hundreds of of people. That's all I do is talk to people, and um, the the time that I spent in the Ukraine was, uh, you know, the, the observational and. Um, and the the interaction that I had with with soldiers, I, I you know I want to mention this. I I think this is um, this is important. Um, the the, uh, the the capital is Kiev, by the way. Um, people, uh, you know, even as far back as a week ago, um, were telling me, you know, refugees were telling me, and it's mostly women and their children and their elderly parents or elderly friends, um, but the the women. Uh, have been telling me that um, that they uh, they left Kiev and they were escorted out by uh, by Russian soldiers and they were you know peacefully 
you know, brought out by the Russian soldiers. Um, and that's going back a week. And I have to assume that it was, uh, you know, even going back a little further than that. But I have, uh, you know, proof positive uh, on tape, different uh, women telling me that they were uh, th they were brought out that way. And then from Kiev, uh, it was a 20 hour drive. Somebody drove or they drove uh, for 20 hours to, uh, over two days to get to the Polish border. And that's where I was speaking to this one in particular on tape. Her name is uh, Julia. And, and I have some, uh, you know, excerpts from, from her. And I, I've got a good half hour with her and a 12-year-old daughter and a little dog uh, lady, uh, cute little dog. Um, and, the, uh, and what that tells me, and again, I don't want to be the prophet of doom, that if the Russian soldiers were walking them out, that means the Russian soldiers uh, are fully in control of, of Kiev. I mean, I, it's, I, you know, I'm, it doesn't take a military expert to, um, to, to draw that conclusion. And I don't know what you're getting back from the, the media, but, um, but the, uh, everyone that, that I met from Kiev, I asked them the same question, who, es who escorted you uh, out of Kiev? And they all said the Russians. So, uh, which, yeah. which it seems to be a bit different than well, because we do hear of bombing of groups that are leaving, and we do hear, um, I think this is the first time I've heard that the soldiers really were helping to get the people out, that the Russian soldiers were helping them to get people out, which could be because they are doing it without um, direct direction from uh, the, the Russian leadership. Or because, just because they also have families and they don't want to see them hurt, uh, which is, I would hope, is the reason they're doing it, that we don't assume that only one country is humanitarian toward their citizens, that um, sometimes leadership takes different directions than the ordinary people. What are some of the kind of questions that when you have uh, called into uh, WABC and or other stations, what are the professional interviewers of news ask you, Frank? Because I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a person that normally does anything like this, so I'm probably asking the wrong questions. Well, let me let, let me just uh, say this. Uh, I think uh, either the first part of that. I think the the fact that and you're asking wonderful questions. Um, but the the first part of that is I think the it serves the Russians to get the civilians out of uh, of Kiev so they could they could do what they have to do, and you know for all we know torture the men or or uh, you know bring them to their knees. Um, I was just kind of underlying that. I, 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 you know, I don't think that they're doing it out of any humanity reasons. It serves them to get rid of the civilians so they could uh, they can get on with their business. Um, I just I think it's an important point to uh, uh, if the Russians are are escorting uh, escorting the people out, then then obviously they're in some kind of control. Um, I, the the uh, interviewers that that have um, asked me. Uh, you know, the different questions, uh, I, I guess have different, um, questions, but similar to what you're asking, uh, the one, and, and I'll, I'll say, I'm going to say this with great deal of respect because, uh, he's very popular. Uh, he asked me on his radio show and his TV show, Sean Hannity. And I, uh, you know, he's on Fox news and it really wasn't a great fit, uh, for me because I'm kind of concentrating on the humanitarian aspect. And, and he was, um, and, and all due respect to him, he was—he wants to make the point that um, 
you know, like if the if the president was different, that Putin wouldn't have done this. You know, he was trying to make that that case. And I, I you know, I didn't want to play into that politically. Um, and, uh, well, you know, I'm I'm here to just kind of uh, report back to what I'm uh, what I'm hearing. I'm not here to criticize uh, you know any of the political leaders uh, that we have or or whatever i don't think there's any any need to do that at this point it's uh, let me give the information that i that i had uh in fact i was um i was postponed on a um it, it would have been three o'clock in the morning uh my time in ukraine um uh, to do the uh the fox uh news uh show and they postponed me thank god because i was in the middle of nowhere I had no reception, and I was uh, I was stressing to try to get to someplace, and and you know probably led to me making mistakes. So I was very grateful for the opportunity to speak to his audience, um, but I don't think that I was saying the kind of things that that fit his um, uh, you know his his rhetoric, and and it was kind of more red meat, you know, like 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 let's rev things up. And I say that with the greatest respect uh, to them and to Fox, but it wasn't a great fit for what I'm doing. I'm, um, uh, you know, others just kind of let me roll and and just, uh, you know, continue the uh, the dialogue to get as much information on what's happening here on the ground as they can get. So um, you know, somebody from WABC, uh, Frank Morano, uh, he said, listen, I'm, just go, you know, just tell us everything, you know, and and uh, and I just ra- rambled on for a half hour or whatever. And uh, and that was very early on in in this process but so anyway yeah it's uh, different uh seth but i i definitely do not want to get involved with the politics of of this like i don't want to do shows that they're going you know i'm going to uh, uh, you know be polarizing right now i think uh, what we need is uh, from me anyway and and other people will do that and it's wonderful that they want to do that but um for me uh, the the main purpose is to get the information that I've seen here out to uh, to people so they can report back or you utilize it any way they'd like. Well, we certainly want to thank you for your comments today. Uh, I would just sort of conclude our uh, w- your your wonderful uh, conversation with us and your uh, on the scene reporting of some tragic days in our our world. And as I was reflecting on this and thinking about what we might say, I was reminded of the children of Israel years and years and years ago when uh, they were fleeing Egypt because of uh, slightly different, obviously slightly different reasons. They were, But they had been slaves and they had to wander in the wilderness for uh, 40 years. Uh, much different, but yet in some ways it resembled. At that time, they as opposed to our friends who are leaving right now, they took their flocks and their herds and they had they were required to take dough before the yeast was put into it so that they would be able to make food for themselves. Because in those days, obviously one of the things was not available for those children of Israel that's available hopefully to most or all of the uh, fleeing folk from Ukraine that people have come forward all over the world with food and money and blankets and beds. And one of the most touching scenes I've seen, Frank, on the news is in one train station, and I think it was in Poland, but it was one of the border countries. As the train would come in, they had baby strollers, and the picture shows six of them 
empty with just blankets and some diapers and baby things that were sitting there waiting for mothers who were arriving on the train to use to carry the babies so that they could move around and get to wherever they needed to go in a new country, in a new world, and in a new setting. None of that was available to our children of Israel. That's why they had to pray, and the Lord had to come in and be the humanitarian and provided quail and manna to feed them. And I think as I've watched this Ukrainian, and and this isn't the first time that this kind of thing has happened in my lifetime, but it's the most fresh one. I'm just thinking, I think I've appreciated even more the struggle that the children of Israel did, went through, to get to a land that was promised for them. And their reasoning for going had some parallels with today. They were all God's followers, and I'm assuming that in amongst the people that you have seen and interviewed, you've had some who have known they needed to flee not only because of the bombing, but because of their belief in the Lord, and that they knew they might face, not necessarily, but that they might face even more severe persecution and or even death if they didn't try to get their family into some kinds of other areas of the country. So I think we can make a religious current Bible connection in some ways as I sort of maybe stretch the point a bit. But we are so thankful you're willing to share and go. We hope that you continue to be safe. That's what our prayer is for, and that you can share what those folks are going through And I'm confident there are people even on the Russian side that are sad that all of this war is happening because WAR is not ever a nice thing. So thank you, Frank. Yes, I I just want to make the point uh, you mentioned about the, the strollers. God is all over this situation, and and anyone who is not a believer beforehand, all they have to do is to is to look at what the humanitarian effort is on the other side. People, are, I I have a a couple from uh, South Dakota. They, it cost them six thousand dollars to get here, and they spent a week cleaning toilets. Uh, these are business owners, people that that have a, a very successful businesses, uh, husband and wife. Uh, uh, cleaning toilets, feeding people, driving people, as I, as I've been driving refugees to different uh, places. But the Lord is at work. You'll see piles and piles of of strollers at every crossing, uh, uh, border crossing, and food coming from every which way. People coming, people just living with the refugees. Uh, the Lord is all over this situation, and uh, and He is. Uh, the prayers are being heard. One last uh, thing. A um, a friend of mine. She's a judge. Um, she listens to this show as well. Uh, she uh, she told me that uh, that she had her whole church, her whole church prayed for for my safety. And uh, the day that she said that uh, was uh, was was the day before the day before the bombing hit exactly where I was. And when I say right where I was, I mean right where I was. Capital right, uh, every letter in right. 
right where I was. And I thought I was safe being in the boonies and the boondocks. Um, the, the bombing happened there, and that's probably uh, some of those uh, those young men that were the soldiers there. By the way, uh, they're out in the boonies also because they're not experienced. Some of them never saw a gun in their life before two weeks ago, but many of them are not with us. Um, probably because of that bombing, but I am here, and and uh, prayers work, and and uh, and I think I'm here because of the prayers uh, of those people. I I really do. But God is at work. The Lord is at work, and you'll see it on the borders. It's it's heartbreaking, but it's heartwarming what's going on, Catherine. You you just you you uh, alluded to the fact that you were uh, transporting some of the refugees. Is that right, or did I mishear? No, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have a, I've had a rental car. So the thing is, like every, every uh, able-bodied car, uh, you know, needs to, uh, needs to go. So I was with people that uh, that uh, transported people to other shelters. I had to bring uh, people to certain train stations, uh, so they got connections there. Um, I've, oh, I've had in in my rental car. Not supposed to. You know, with the, I'm not supposed to be in Ukraine either. Um, I, at least uh, at least 25 people that I've transported from one place to the other, either as a passenger or as a driver. Um, you know, maybe about 20, maybe maybe uh, maybe 20, 20 different people to uh, to their locations, their new locations. All hands on deck. Well, that just that just shows again that uh, uh, the Lord made people, lots of us to care about others that we never know when the reverse might be true and that we are going to be the recipients, we meaning anybody in the world, I don't necessarily just mean U.S., uh, but that we all need, and I think that's what the Lord has said to us, that we need to, be, to care and be compassionate and reach out. And we appreciate that you're doing that. And it's been wonderful to visit with you today, Frank. I, I hope our listeners will continue to pray for safety for all, all people that are involved, and that the war um, may have a, a speedy conclusion. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Catherine, you're wonderful. Uh, please keep the prayers going to the, the, the people here in the Ukraine that are fleeing. And uh, Moldova, um, over a million and a half people are leaving Moldova. That's probably the next target on the, on the Russian um, uh, focus. So uh, Mo uh, Moldova, or some people call it Moldovia, and there are already about a million and a half people um, um, you know, set to leave from there. Uh, but the Ukrainian people are, are hearing the prayers and people on the other side are prepared to receive them and uh it's it's the lord's work uh, wonderful people keep keep up the prayers uh you've been listening to ransom notes special um edition uh, and we uh, you know i've been here uh as as a co-host uh to catherine ransom i've been uh in uh in this area for you know coming up on two weeks now and uh four four plus days in ukraine itself and uh, around the border towns frank mckay signing off for ransom notes we'll see you next time on ransom notes